chapter 8, let me begin reading in verse 31 down to verse 42. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you have heard from your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. You are doing the deeds of your father. And they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from him, from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Father, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, this day is all about you. Lord Jesus, this day is about you. We come here to worship you and adore you, to exalt your name. Father, I pray that as we look into your word this day, that you will truly speak to our hearts. Lord, speak to us about our love for you, Lord Jesus. And if there are those who are here today who truly need to be born again, who truly need to have a loving, saving faith in you, I pray that you would open their eyes to that this day. And Today would be that wonderful and precious day of salvation for them. But Father, for those of us who are believers and are followers of yours, I pray you will bring challenges to our heart, conviction by your spirit and by your word about our love for you. Lord, just bless this time together as we spend it in your word. We ask this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Beloved, as we prepare this morning to look into God's Word, let me just first say how thankful I am to finally be standing here before you. I'm grateful to be standing here as your pastor. And I'm also very thankful for all the prayers that I know that you've been offering uh, on behalf of myself and my family during this transition time, and they've been such a blessing to us, and just your love and support, and thank you for all the work you, you did at the Parsonage, and yesterday, and just everything that has been taking place, and we just can't express enough to you our love and appreciation for you, and just your welcoming us here uh, to the church here at East Gina uh, Baptist Church. Uh, this morning... We're going to begin a series that I wanted to start our time with together as a church body. 
And it's going to be a little different than what we would typically do here on a Sunday morning when we gather. When we typically gather together on a Sunday morning, we'll be studying through a book of the Bible together. And we'll typically stay for the most part in that passage. But for today, we're going to be doing a series that deals with four fundamental loves in the church. That if we want to be the church that God has called us to be, and he wants us to be, and we're supposed to be, there are four fundamental loves that must be a part of our lives personally, must be a part of our lives corporately as a church. This is something we have to have a commitment to. We have to cultivate in our life, cultivate in the congregation. And let me just give you those four loves The first one is we're going to be looking at or begin to look at this morning is a love for the Savior. For us to be a church that God wants us to be, there must be this genuine, deep, abiding love for the Savior. A love for Jesus Christ. But following on the heels of that is the second love that must be a part of our lives as a church. And that is a love for the Scriptures. We truly must love the Word of God. And then as we love the Savior and we love the Scriptures, thirdly, there's going to be a love for the sheep, a love for the saints. And by that I mean a love for one another. A genuine love that is here. And then flowing from that is the final love or the fourth love, and that is a love for the sinners. For the lost people in this community, the lost people in our family, the lost people who are among our friends, our neighbors, the ones that we work with. Now how I plan on doing this is on Sunday mornings throughout the month of September where we're going to be focusing on the love for the Savior here. We don't have church tonight, but the last two Sunday nights we're going to be gathering together and we will focus on those other loves, a love for the scriptures, a love for the saints, and a love for uh, the sinners. So I would encourage you to come and to be a part of that and as we want to just lay down the groundwork, the foundation that must be fundamental to who we will be as a church. Now, I gave those in a specific order for a specific reason. It's because I believe when we look at Scripture, they flow in that direction. That is, it starts with the priority of a love for the Savior. That we can't really love the sinners and we can't really love the saints and one another until we're really loving Jesus the way Jesus wants us to love him. And that as we love Jesus, we're going to find out next time that we're together on Sunday night that that really comes from a love for the scriptures. That to say I love Jesus but I don't love the word of God really doesn't go together. And then I love for each other. A love for the saints, and then that flows into a love for the lost sinners around us. Brother, what I'm saying to you is your love for Jesus is what will motivate those other three loves. Your love for him will motivate your love for his word, for the people of God, for those who are in need of Christ. So when your love is weakening towards Jesus... When it is waning towards Jesus, it will begin to show itself in those three areas, or at least one of those areas. So that's why it's important that we'll spend the most time together speaking about a love 
for the Savior, a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said, we're going to look at this love for Jesus over the next three weeks together here on Sunday morning. And as we do, we're going to look at three reasons why it is important or why it is necessary for us to have a love for the Savior. The first reason we're going to look at this morning, and that is because it is the fundamental issue in regards to your faith unto salvation. Now let me just give you those three reasons real quickly, and we'll come back to that. Loving Jesus is so fundamental because it is a fundamental issue in regards to your faith unto salvation. It is fundamental in regards to your fight against sin. And thirdly, in your faithfulness to serve. These are the three reasons why this is so important, so basic, so fundamental for us and our lives and the life of our church. So let's look this morning at it is the fundamental issue in regards to your faith in Christ unto salvation. The passage we just read a moment ago, go back to verse 31 for a moment, and you'll notice who it is that Jesus is speaking to. It's very interesting. He's speaking to some Jews who it says who had actually believed. And they had actually believed him. But yet, as he carries on the conversation with them, it becomes very apparent that though they had come to believe him and believe some of the things he was saying, there was a very key ingredient that was missing. And that is a love for him. They didn't have a genuine love for Jesus. They didn't really love him. They weren't really followers of him. They weren't really believing in him. They had not, listen carefully to this, they had not truly been born again. Because as he's carrying on the conversation with them about sin and being a slave of sin, notice all along the way as we read that, I hope you notice they were fighting against everything he said. They said, he said, you need to be set free. They said, no, we don't. You're not of the, you're of your father, the devil. We are not. Everything he said about them, they kept pushing back and saying, no, we are not any of the things that you're speaking of. And that's why as he continues to wrap this up, we come to the key verse here this morning in verse 42 where he says to them, if you were, if God were your father. Now let's just explore that little phrase right there for a moment. What Jesus says there is a conditional sentence. He's saying, if it is true that God is your father, and in this sense, he's speaking about spiritually. If God were your father, that is, Jesus is saying, if you have truly been born again, if you have truly put your faith in me, if you truly are a follower of mine, and you truly believe in me, if this is true of you, then what he says next would be true. You would love me. You know what I'm saying? If God were your father, you would love me. Amen. You would love that I'm here. You would love what I'm saying. You would love what I'm doing. You would have a genuine, deep, abiding, agape, sacrificial love for me. But you don't. 
And the reason why you don't is because God is not your father. You're of your father, the devil, he says. Love it, it is fundamental. A love for Jesus is fundamental to our faith in him unto salvation. Now look with me for a moment, just continuing this idea of understanding why loving Jesus is fundamental to faith in him. Turn over to the Gospel of Matthew for just a moment. Turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're going to move around just a little bit this morning. In Matthew chapter 22. And what we're going to find here is Jesus quoting the Old Testament. And what he's telling us and what the Word of God tells us is that actually the most fundamental question in all of life for any person is do you love God? Do you love God? In verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus has silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Let that sink in. He says, out of all the law of God, everything that the Old Testament had to say, you could sum it up in in this fundamental question. Do you love God? And notice the depth of what he's saying. Not some superficial, shallow, emotional love. He's saying, do you love God with your heart, with your soul, with your mind? You can go to other scriptures that speak about loving him with with your body, with your, your soul, with all of who you are. You are just consumed with a love for God. This is the fundamental question of loving God. Now keep that in mind, what he says here, and go back again with me to the Gospel of John, and go to John chapter 5 for a moment. Go to John chapter 5. Verse 18, we see that who he's speaking to is some Jews who were seeking to kill him. But in verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures. Now, I want you to think about this. Again, think about what he's saying. You search the scriptures. So these are not people who are unfamiliar with the word of God. These are people who actually spent their life reading the Bible. That is, their Bible of that day, which was only the Old Testament. But he says, you actually search the scriptures. You go into the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me. And the idea of coming to Jesus is believing in him, truly loving him, coming to him, to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you. That you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. But Jesus here says, look, I know you. 
That phrase alone grabs my attention. When Jesus says, I know you. You can come, just think about my own life. I I can come before Jesus and I can put on all the external things I want to put. But Jesus says, I know you. I know what's really on the inside of you. I know how you really feel about me. I know what you really think about me. I know what's going on, what's moving you, what's motivating you. He says, I know you. And here's what I know, he says in verse 42 about you. I know that you don't really possess the love of God in yourselves. You don't really have a love for God. You say you do. You search the scriptures, but yet deep down you really don't love God. Why is that? How is it that Jesus knew they didn't love him or they didn't have a love for God? It's because they didn't love him. It's because they didn't receive him. I have come in my father's name, he says, and you do not receive me. You don't accept me. You don't accept what it is that I'm saying. Now, when we explore that idea of them not receiving Jesus, this idea of not loving Jesus, they didn't accept who Jesus was. They they didn't accept what he had to say about himself. Jesus came and told them, I'm the Son of God. I'm equal with God the Father. And they rejected that. They picked up stones to try to kill him, to stone him to death. Because they they just said, God is one. God is one person. But Jesus saying, I am equal with the Father. And they did not accept that. He came and told them that he was the Messiah, the promised one from the Old Testament. And they would not believe it. They did not receive what he had to say about them. This was the most challenging thing to them in their pride. Jesus came to these these men, to these leaders, and to the Jewish people of that day, and, and he was speaking to them in ways that they just did not like it because he kept reminding them, you are a sinner, and you're separated from God. You may be the chosen people of God and that you're a part of the Jewish people, but that didn't mean that you didn't need to put your faith in God and be truly born again. And they did not want to hear that they were sinners. They didn't want to hear that they were slaves of sin. They didn't want to hear they were separated from God. They didn't want to hear they were spiritually sick, spiritually dead on their way to an eternal hell. But Jesus kept lovingly telling them that, that you are separated from him. They didn't want to hear and receive what he had to say about salvation. That it wasn't going to be by their system of works. It was going to be by grace. Through faith. Uh, a repentant faith of turning from their sins and, and surrendering to him and putting their faith in him. They didn't, they didn't want to hear that. And that's why Jesus says, though you search the scriptures, the scriptures keep talking about me. They keep telling you about me. And I'm right here fulfilling the scriptures in your very sight. I'm fulfilling what the word of God had to say. And it's going on before your eyes. And yet you just won't believe it. You won't accept it. And the reason why you won't truly put your faith in me is because you don't really love me. 
You don't love me. Beloved, do you see how and why this issue of loving Jesus is fundamental? It's fundamental to your faith in Christ. It's fundamental to your faith unto salvation. Let me explore this a little further with you this morning before we close up our time together. I don't want you to turn there, but let me just remind you of something, just the depth of this love of what Jesus is calling for. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37, Jesus makes this statement. He says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now he says that another way, the opposite way, saying the same message over in the Gospel of Luke. And I would like you to turn there with me. Turn to Luke chapter 14 this morning. Turn to Luke chapter 14. And pick it up with me in verse 25. Where there are large crowds that are going along with him. And he turned and he said to them, If anyone comes to me. Now for the most part, when you see that phrase, especially in the Gospels, where it says about coming to Jesus, come to me. Just think about putting true saving faith in Christ. If anyone truly comes to me, if someone truly believes in me, and yet does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Or as he says down in verse 33, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Jesus here isn't calling for some higher commitment. It's though you can be a true believer and yet not have this kind of commitment. No, he's turning to a large crowd of people that are now building around him. They're getting greater and greater in number and he turns to this large crowd and he begins to speak to to them because he knows he needs to make sure that they are clear about the terms of truly being a follower, a disciple, a believer in him. If anyone comes to me, anyone believes in me, they have to have a love for Christ. So much of a love that your love for Jesus is above any other love that you have. I mean, I love my wife dearly. She is a precious soul to me. I love my three children dearly. I love them. I would lay down my life for them. But I'll tell you, I don't love them as much as I love Jesus. I love Jesus more than I love them. You say, why is that? Because if for some other reason they or anyone else that I love goes astray and goes off, I have to keep loving Jesus. 
I have to stay with Jesus. He says, what he's saying, he's saying, he's not saying to actually literally hate your parents or hate your siblings or hate your wife or your husband or your, your, your uh, friends or anyone else. That's not what, that's not Jesus. Jesus is just saying, look, when you come to me, your loyalty is to me. Your love is to me. You're going to love me. You're going to be loyal to me. You're going to want to learn from me. You're going to lean on me. You're, you're just going to trust in me. Because here's the thing. As much as I may love my wife and my children, I still mess up. I still fall on my face. But you know what? Jesus never does. He always is loving in everything that he does. The Apostle Paul said it like this. In the book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, For me to live is Christ. That's what he says, for me to live. And he was at that moment facing a situation whereby he was in prison and he didn't know what the judgment was going to be. The judgment was either going to be, Paul, we're going to let you go. And he was saying, if I get to, if I'm let go, I'm coming to the church at Philippi and I'm going to come there to love you guys and to, to strengthen your faith. He says, but the judgment may go the other way and I might actually be put to death. And Paul says, you know what, for me to live is Christ." To die is gain. Why is it a gain? Because I gain Christ. Everything about my life is about Christ. I just love Christ. Jesus is my life. And beloved, this is where it must start for each one of us. And again, no one here is going to do this perfectly. So I'm not trying to portray this in a way where you're saying, where you're thinking, well, no one's going to love God perfectly. No one's going to love Jesus perfectly. No, you're not. You are, even if you're saved here today, you're a saved sinner and you still have sin and you still struggle with sin. But it should be the direction of your life. It should be the desire of your heart to where you just want to love Jesus. You want to lay down your life for Jesus. Jesus is your life. He's your everything. Some of you here today may think, well, why should I love Jesus? I mean, you're you're asking me to love someone that I've never seen. I've never met this person. I've never talked with this person. Well, you need to love Jesus. One, because he's God. He is God. He's the creator of your life. He's the sustainer of your life. You owe your very life to him. You owe everything to him. Everything good that you have, it it, it goes back to Jesus. But more than that, you need to love Jesus because of what he did for you. We're talking about loving the Savior. That is the one who came, who left heaven and became a part of mankind so that he could go to a cross. And on that cross, he could take our sins upon himself. He could be our sacrifice, the the sacrifice, the substitute for us. That's what Jesus did. And guess what? He did that. Knowing how unworthy and how sinful and how rebellious we are. He didn't do that knowing how good we are. He knew it knowing that we're not good. No, not one of us is good. 
Not one of us is righteous. Not one of us is worthy in that sense. But yet, Jesus, out of his love for you, out of his love for his Father, to glorify his Father, he came down and he was willing to suffer. He was willing to suffer shame and ridicule and rejection. He was willing to go to a cross where on that cross he experienced the full fury of the wrath of his Father that came down upon him, not for any sin he ever committed because he was without sin. And he goes to the cross to become sin in the sense of taking our just punishment upon himself he laid his life down and he suffered so that you could be reconciled to God you could be forgiven of your sins you could have life eternal with him life eternal with his father this is what Jesus has done This is why you should love him. You should trust him. He should be your life. Jesus should be your life. Because of who he is and what he has done. So you're going to have to come to that place just as these Jewish groups that we were speaking about in the Gospel of John. Where are you going to receive him? And by receiving him, believe in him. By believing him, love him, trust him, treasure him. Believe what Jesus says about you as a sinner. What he says about himself as being God, as the Savior, as the Lord you're to surrender to. Believe what he has to say about your only hope of salvation is through him and him alone. And what he accomplished through his life and his death and his resurrection. You have to put your faith, you have to be willing to abandon all things to put your love, your faith in him and entrust him with your soul and trust him with your eternal destiny and trust him with your life in the here and now. I want to ask you to bow your heads in prayer for a moment.